Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. Part two of this message. The title of this message is Sick of Home. Sick of Home. Luke chapter 15. Our text will be verses... 11 through 13, and we'll be speaking about the first lost son. And so, first of all, let's look at his imposition, this boy's imposition, his demand. Verse 12 says, The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the state that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. The older boy's getting his portion. It's being divided. But he didn't ask for it. This may not seem like months to you, but to the listeners of Jesus, this was as vile and disrespectful as one could imagine. This young man has shown outrageous disrespect for his father, for the honor of his family, for the honor of his community, and most of all, for the honor of his God or his family's God. The family and the village would have been aghast at this behavior that amounted to saying simply this, Dad, I wish you were dead. What this boy did is unthinkable and it's repugnant. He simply violated the standards of behavior expected of a child of a son. When he made this demand, this imposition, he Broke his relationship with his father. He proved himself to be a radically selfish man. A man without honor. What this young man did was hurtful. It was offensive. And is a radical contradiction to the most venerated tradition of the time. This son was not only asking for his part of the inheritance, but he's asking for the right to dispose of it. Right now, you may not understand this. This father, when he divided it up, still had the right to live off of all the profits that would come in from what he gave the older son and what he gave the younger son. It was his until he died. The younger son would have no right to sell it, to use any money, Without the father's permission or until the father died. But the implication here, and it's appalling, appalling is the son, the younger son is saying, I don't have enough time to wait for you to die. And so the biggest issue here is the lack of honor the younger son gives to his father. Now he had only inherited a third of the inheritance, the way the scripture set it up. But by asking for this share of inheritance, again, let me say, let me put it this way. Father, I wish you were dead. Because by being alive, you are standing in the way of all my plans. I need my inheritance now. And since you won't die, just give it to me now. That is a hard request. It is disrespectful. It is harsh. It is unloving. It is rude. And when Jesus says this, these words, the crowd is stunned and shocked. 
Because it's against everything the people of Israel believed in. It's a scandal. I wish you were dead. I want mine now. I want my way now. Dad, I want what you provide, but I want you to stay out of my life. Listen to this. I don't want you, but I want yours. You catch that? I want to eat God's food. I want to walk on God's earth. I want to breathe God's air. I want the body that God has given me, but I don't want God. I want God's goodness. And I want God's blessings, and I want God's favor, but I don't want God. Do you know anybody like that? Is it possible that you're like that? The world is full of people like that. And sad to say, there are churches with people like that. Can you, after this imposition, the crowd, here's what the crowd's expecting to happen next in the story, so you'll know. At the least, they're expecting the father to slap the son upside the face. And he would have deserved that. They would have then expected the father to disown the son. That's what he'd been expected to do. They would have expected the son to be kicked out of the home and never to be received back into the home again. And guess what? The whole village would support the father and they would not welcome him either. I mean, he is done. And that's what they expect out of this story. Not only that, the father could have done one more thing. He and the mother could have taken the boy to the elders of the village. And let's see what the scripture says, slide 9 and 10. If any man has a stubborn rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother. And when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them. You young people need to listen to this, okay? Then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gateway of his hometown. And they shall say to the elders of the city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. Why? So you shall remove the evil from your midst. And all Israel will fear, hear of it and fear. Now thank God that's Old Testament. I don't know if we'd have a stoning today or not. But it's evil. You parents need to realize this. That's why if you don't correct your children, you're promoting evil in their lives. About 50 years now ago. But two missionaries in Ecuador went to the village, Siona village, talked to the chief about bringing the gospel to the community. They already worked with the Kofans and Sokoas. And when they sat down with Chief Victoriano and told him what they would like to do to get permission, he said, no, we're not interested. Not at all. 30 or 40 years after that, Deanna and I received a message. We were working with the Siona Sikoas and the Lowland Quechua that the Siona chief would like to see us. And so my team, we went into the Siona village about 10 hours by boat. We sat down with the same chief 
he's in his late 80s, early 90s. And he said, we need the gospel. And here's why we need the gospel. Our young people now have no interest in our culture and our ways. They're bringing the ways of the world into our community. If it keeps going like this, we'll no longer be Siona. We've seen how the gospel has blessed the Kofans and the Sokoas. How it has changed and touched their lives and held them together as a community, as a family. We'd like for you to come and preach the gospel. We need Jesus. Let me tell you something. Rebellion is evil and it will bear its fruit before it's all said and done. And you may think, I'm being harsh. We're talking about the salvation of your child's soul, of your soul and my soul. Obedience to the things of God is important. And this young man has no interest at all in obeying God and obeying his parents. Let me tell you something. They don't want to obey you. They don't want to obey God either. But this is shocking what happens to these people. There's no slap. There's no disowning. There's no kicking out. The father begins to divide the wealth between them. He didn't have to. He simply could have said, son, you're going to have to wait until I die. And most fathers would do that. But in fact, it's the father letting the sinner go his own way, do his own thing. The parable is describing to you and me what Adam and Eve has done and what mankind has done over and over and over again. So this father takes the deed out, divides up the land. He divides up the livestock. He divides up the household goods. He divides up the commodities. He divides up everything. And ownership transfers from the father to the boys. But these boys, due to honor of their parents, would not have done anything, not made any changes. Because they realized their father was still their father. And deep down, he still had the right to do whatever he wanted to do with it. But on paper, there's now been a shameful transfership of ownership. So... The first issue is not really the loss of wealth by the father because it's his as long as he live. But it's the audacity of this young man to have such disrespect and disdain for the father that he would demand such a thing. So what do we learn? The, the son really doesn't love the father. He loves himself and loves what he wants. In fact, he has willfully dishonored his father and has offended him. Adam and Eve, when they partook of the fruit, they dishonored God. When Cain refused to bring the sacrifice that God required, he dishonored God. When Abraham, in unbelief, disobeyed God and went into Egypt during a famine and then lied about Sarah, he disobeyed God. When Moses struck the rock, he dishonored God. 
When King Saul refused to kill the Amalekites' animals after a great victory, he dishonored God. When King David committed adultery, he dishonored God. When Ananias and Sapphira kept back part of what they what they had sold to get honor for themselves, they ended up dying, but they ended up dishonoring God. How many of us, well, let's put the, you listening on radio, KNEO, and how many of you be watching on video? Because we're a perfect church. Not kidding. We have one perfect one among us. Would you please stand so we'll know? But how many of us dishonor God by not honoring His house? That's what the worship was about. It's about honoring God, thanking God for salvation, thanking God He hears prayers, thanking God that He meets needs, thanking God that He's a part of our lives. How many dishonor God by keeping the tithe? That's His. That's His. You, you acted just like the prodigal. Are you not? Are you not? God, I'm going to steal from you. Now, never forget, I heard a, a Jewish man preach in Ecuador. And I'll never forget what he said. said and this is bad. He said this. He said, if you steal from God, you'll do anything. <laughs> there's, there's not a sin you won't do eventually. If you can steal from God, you'll do anything else. And I thought, man, I wish I was smart enough to think that way. You dishonor God by not reading His Word and listening to it and obeying it. You dishonor God by not listening to the sermon preached by God's man. If you're playing on your phone doing something else besides listening to this message, you're dishonoring God. And you're dishonoring God if you spend time judging God's man. That's what this boy had done. I wonder what kind of judgment he said against his parents. How fuddy-duddy they were. How old-fashioned they were. How weird they were. How strange they were. Why, they should do it this way and they should do it that way. Just to give you a little preview. This boy will come home. And when he comes home, he has now placed himself in judgment. Now he is wondering how dad will judge him. And whatever measure you give it out, the measure you'll get it. Dishonor God. Churches in the 21st century are filled with people who think nothing about what they're doing. As I preached or mentioned, and haven't really preached this, but I've mentioned it. We're just like Moses. We don't think our sin is as bad as God does. Remember, he he struck the rock when God told him not to. And God said, you're not going into the land. And later, Moses pled with God, let me go in. And you would think that God would say, well, you know, you deserve it. No one's done what you've done. And God said, no. And he told him why. You dishonored. This son made himself odious to his father. He became a stanch in his father's nostrils, and he's a stanch in the community's nostrils. And this crowd is shaking their head. They can't believe what has happened and what is going on in this story. But 
Jesus isn't done. He moves from the imposition to the liquidation. And not many days later, the younger son gathered together, gathered everything together. Not only did he want what he had, but the boy didn't love his inheritance. He didn't love what the father gave him. He gathered it all together and he liquidated it. Because you can't take your land with you. You can't take your livestock with you. You can't take your commodities with you. So he wanted it in cash. He wanted it in money. So he not he disrespects his father, but he takes a step further because he begins to sell off his father's assets before he really has the right to. It's amazing. This father has given this boy his inheritance with no strings attached. And in this culture, the people are also thinking, what is wrong with this dad? But what you see here is God's mercy. Every one of you, every one of us, ought to thank God He doesn't smite us the first time we sin. We see God's patience and loving kindness and goodness. He'd have every right to smite you and me. This father would have every right to smite this boy because he has dishonored him. And yet we see God in his patience and his goodness. The boy sells it all. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of lentils. Samson sold the anointing of God to flirt with a prostitute. David sold the peace in his family for a moment of adultery with a woman. And I've seen that happen over and over and over again when a man has sold his family out for a fling. An adulterer's affair. Reuben sold it all for a sack in the hay with his stepmother. Judas sold it all for 30 pieces of silver. And this boy sells it all. And that, you're not getting the whole story. The land that he sells is sacred in this culture, in this nation. The children of Israel are really forbidden to sell the land. You know that, right? But if you got so poor, so down on your luck, there was a thing called the year of Jubilee. And it would return back. Because God didn't want them selling the land. But this boy sold it. Now, I don't know if the year of Jubilee was two years down the road. But if it were, guess what? He sold it on the cheap. He got pennies on the dollar. But if it's 49 years down the road, the people living right now would not get the land back. It would go way but he wouldn't get, not his kin, because he was leaving. He has gone. He wasn't going to live in the God's land anymore. It's over. I'm turning it in. The land has no value to him. The commodities have no value. There's nothing sentimental. It's like Esau selling his birthright. So if you're paying attention, I want you to understand. Not only did he offend his father, he offended everyone in Israel. Why? It is the God of Israel who gave them this land. That's what the Old Testament's about. That's what the book of Exodus is about. That's what the book of Genesis is about. That's what Joshua's about. That's what the book's about. 
He didn't want God's blessing at all. I don't want anything to do with it. I want to get rid of it. And so the whole crowd listened to the story. They are shocked of how ungrateful and disrespectful this godless young man is. He's a delinquent of delinquents. He's, he has gone as far bad as you could go. And yet, we have his separation. The imposition, liquidation, separation, and went on a journey into distant country. How awful. Now this boy has left Israel. Now this boy has left church. Now he has left his inheritance from God. He's left the promised land. He really left where God dwells. Yes, God is everywhere. But God had made it known that he would dwell in Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And this boy left it for a Gentile country. I cannot imagine how disgusted the crowd was listening to this story. Because listen, he's rejected his home. The home he was born into. The home which raised him, nurtured him, and taught him. He rejected his community when he went into a far land. His departure saying, I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing to do with this world. And I want nothing to do with your God. It's more than disrespect. It is betrayal. Whatever excuse people use for leaving God's house and God's people. And I've heard them. And sometimes they make sense. It's betrayal. The world in which his home saw is sinful and vile is the world he embraced and turns his back on God and God's world. What he was really saying when he left his home, he was saying, I don't have a home. And when you leave God's people, you'll never have a home. When you think about a home, you always think of a light in the home. But you leave God's house, you'll never have a home because there is no light in hell. It's a place of darkness, eternally. And then we move to his gratification. It says that there he squandered his state with loose living. Squandered means a scatterbrot. It's like taking uh, wheat and throwing it up and the wind blowing, separating the the sea, the fruit from the chaff, and it's he's thrown his money up in there, and it has been blown away. It's been wasted, and he's wasted it in a Gentile country, and he's spent it on a demonic lifestyle. What is interesting, when you lead a little further in the parable, when the boy gets back, you know the older brother's upset, and here's what the older brother says about the younger brother. He says, you were taking him back. He devoured his wealth with prostitutes. Now this boy thought nobody knew what he was doing. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God knows. It doesn't matter where you go. And it doesn't matter what you do. God knows. He's fully aware what's going on. But this boy thought he was living without restraints and getting away with it and throwing it off one by one. But God always knows. 
In Genesis 6, 5, God knows what mankind is like without God. For it says there, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was on only evil continually. Romans 3, 10 and 12 says, As is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. And that's what he'll say in this prayer. No one does good. Not even one. See, a lot of us will balk when we talk about being sinful. And most of us sitting here say, I'm not like the prodigal son. And hopefully you're not. But most of us think, well, I'm not that bad. But dishonoring, disrespecting God, whether it's a big sin or a little one, is sin. And it dishonors God. It does. This boy left his father. He left his society. He left his home. He left his synagogue. He left the word of God to do what he wanted to do. That's this boy. And he did it. And he's the villain of the story. Now there's more to tell. But I wanted to paint for you the best I could what's going on here. And, it's, and I'm going to tell you, sometimes, I'm going to tell you why sometimes I don't chase after people. I'm a Bible person. And if I consider them a prodigal, then they go. They're free to go. And if they need a blessing to go, I'll give them a blessing. I wait. And there's people I'm waiting on to come back. The difference in the parables or the three stories is in the first two, the shepherd and the woman did seek the lost items, the lost lamb and the lost coin. But the father never went looking. And if you're going to sit around and think, well, why aren't they looking for me? They're waiting on you. To come to the place in your heart and in your life. You listen to me on the radio. You listen on the video. You're here this morning. We haven't given up on you. We haven't turned our back on you. Nobody will ever have that back turned on them. Our back will never. But there's people we're waiting on. And they're living like the prodigal. To live in 2023 is amazing. Because now the prodigal's post all their sins on Facebook. Look what I'm doing. I'd like to be the father that slapped him upside the face. And sometimes you might think that's expected. Or disown them. They're not disowned. The door's open. Now my next sermon will be on this boy. He gets homesick. And then the next one will be on home. And I, I'm anticipating what God will say. But are any of you sick of home this morning? Or halfway sick and it's working on your spirit? And you know you're about to turn your back on God and walk away? It's not going to do any good for anybody to come back before it's, they're ready to come back. Until they're broken. And this boy's going to get broken. But I can't break him.
and you can't break them. Life can break them. God can break them. But when they come back, our arms should always be open. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference.